This is Blood Bank, a podcast where hospital workers share a story from an experience in medicine that has stayed with them, and then they tell us why. I'm Amanda Rubano, and I'm a medical student at the University of Rochester. Today, you're listening to a different kind of episode. This is the second part of a two-part episode featuring Justin McDaniel. The first part is a graduation speech he gave at Penn this past year about losing his father to COVID. His insight and ability to articulate the human experience within medicine deserves to be heard on this platform. So the first part is a speech and the second is a commentary on the speech, his father, and the lessons we learned from him about the vitality of the human spirit. In all honesty, we were supposed to do the speech together with the conversation between him and I, but it turns out, as you'll <laughs> as you'll come to learn, that there was no speech, or he wasn't able to redo it because he never wrote it down, which makes it so much better. I must have saved the homework. Did I just do this off the top of my head? Maybe I didn't write, <laughs> didn't write it down. <laughs> I thought I did. I really. <laughs> You really might have done it off the cuff, which is so cool. I'm thinking that, but I think I just had some notes. That's awesome. (laughs) I I guess I thought I wrote it. You don't have to do it, but we can just talk about it because I'll just use the recording from the speech. When you think about giving that speech and when you think about its content, what's kind of the first thing that comes to mind? Yeah, I mean, I guess I remember my dad and uh, how he... He never had any agenda. There was never, he didn't like ever, my father never tried to impress anybody. He never planned what he was going to, like how he's going to engage in a situation. From the speech, I know that he made people feel like they were the center of his world. Yeah. He thought people were fascinating. But the thing is, I think he thought he, he was fascinating. And he was, like he was. For a guy who had no real education, and no like real skills like music or art or right you know like no talents you know he was a good athlete when he was young i think you know he played a lot of basketball but like he had no real like he wasn't good at anything i mean he was good at like telling stories and he didn't actually like small talk my father never engaged in any small talk he only engaged in big talk like you got right to the heart of the matter like right away you know what I mean? Like there was no like, how, how are you? It was just like, let me tell you a story. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> like, like, you know, like immediately, like he would accost people, you know, he'd, he would treat like waitresses and waiters and like bartenders. Like they were really old friends. Like there was no like, oh, where are you from? None of that shit. <laughs> it would be like, you need to know something. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. He thought like everything that happened to him was like the best possible thing that could happen to anyone, right? Like, That's like, awesome. No matter what, like every place, every place we went to, like if I took him, he would turn to me. And at some point I would just wait for it to happen. Here we go. Listen, Justin, usually I don't trust you, but this is the best decision you've ever made. This place is great. We should come here all the time. This is just the most wonderful place. How'd you find this place? This is amazing. It'd be just some random place. Right? I didn't plan it at all. Right. You know, and he'd be like, this is the best day of my life. You know? And the thing is like, he would totally mean it. Like he would like totally mean that this was the, the best time of his life. And like, if it wasn't the best time of his life, he would like make it. I remember this one time. <laughs> we're invited to a wedding 
and he did not want to go to it. It was like my mom's sister's kid or something in Houston, Texas, in fucking summer. It was hot. <laughs> I hated the heat. And I'm like, we go there and he's like, ah, God damn it. And he like wear a suit and everything. And my cousins are just like the worst people. Like they're just like, I mean, they're nice human beings and stuff, but like they did not know how to put on a fucking wedding. Like it was a mess and there was no chairs and the food sucked. And like, it was just, everything was awful and it was hot and their air conditioning broke. My dad was like, I'm not having this. And my dad like left the wedding. Okay. And he, took me with him to like go get ice we went to a hotel okay because it had air conditioning like lobby and he's like let's go have a drink in the hotel there was a wedding going on in the hotel we went to that wedding <laughs> like he you know like like he was eating shrimp cocktail like just fucking eating shrimp cocktail and like talking to people and like talking to people like about wedding like he he wasn't like oh do you know the bride he wasn't any of that bullshit but he was talking to people about love and like isn't it great we should all celebrate love and all this stuff and i'm like sitting there like super embarrassed but we had suits on like we looked like we heard a wedding, right and it was so funny and we were there for like two hours and we missed the whole other reception and so like this idea that like well if the thing I'm at, the wedding I'm at isn't good, I will go to a better wedding. <laughs> like, I don't give a fuck about what they, like, think of me, like, or or obligations, or, like, you should show up. Like, you know, he's like, no. Like, like this is, a, this is not the best decision we've ever made, so let's go make a better decision. <laughs> so, like, he had this idea that, like, I don't know if he had an idea. I don't think it was a plan at all. I think I think it's an idea like i'm giving him this idea i don't know but like but like the worst thing you can do to a person is like make them feel like like they're not worth listening to like they're not worth they're not you know what i mean like yeah you know he wanted to make people feel like their lives like matter like their lives were important like that they had something to offer like that, you know, that no matter what, like no matter if they didn't like their job and like their body or the relationships wasn't good or money wasn't good, is that they must have had some story in their life that was awesome. They must have had one day that was great. And they must have had like one person that made them feel. And he wanted to hear about that story. Like he, he really wanted to hear like, what's yours? Like, what's your story? Like, and and people would be get so comfortable around. Like it was amazing. Like he was huge. My father was really big. And so like, but they would like feel like like he was so disarming. And he couldn't impress anybody with like clothes. He couldn't impress anybody with his career. He couldn't impress anybody with his education. He couldn't impress anybody with his skills. So like he wanted to impress them with themselves. And it worked. Like, it worked. Like it really, really worked. Like you felt like you came out of the, the situation like. Like I'm an awesome person, and because that guy just like totally saw my awesomeness. Like my father didn't understand like when anybody was like, "Well, like I don't trust this medicine or like vaccine." He would he'd be like, he was like, people are smarter than me. Like I assume they did stuff right. Like I'm not gonna worry about that stuff. Like he never thought he knew more about politics. He never thought he knew more about sports. He never thought he knew more. He had no opinions on it. He was like, that sounds good. You're smart. I trust you. He knew tons about like sports. He knew tons about like Sixers and Eagles and things like that. But like he would never get in arguments with people about it because he's like, oh, you, you sound like you watched the game closer to me. Like 
why be an expert in anything? He didn't understand the point. He never had an opinion about anything. And that made people feel comfortable because they didn't feel like they were trying to one-up him or impress him or debate with him. Like, you never debated with him. He agreed with you. Unless you were an asshole. Like, unless you were mean. You know, he just was like, anybody who just, like, beats up on somebody smaller than them or weaker than them, they're not worth your time. You know, so his favorite thing, I never knew. <laughs> I never knew why this was his favorite thing. We had to watch it every four years. We volunteered for it. He was obsessed with the Special Olympics. Absolutely fucking obsessed with it. He volunteered every time. We, I got to meet Peggy Fleming, this famous figure skater, because she was like doing something, and he like got me to meet this like, fabulous figure skater. Like he, he was obsessed with this idea that you know you you would have an event that celebrated people people's weaknesses you know like like that they're they're on display and that was so cool to him like he just he loved people's birthdays like this idea that like you could be the worst person on the planet but today we have to fucking be nice to you like that's awesome like he he never his own birthday never mattered he loved other people's birthdays. like he he just loved that when people got a chance to like shine. Even if it was the thing that made them be perceived as as lesser. Yeah. Or yeah. Because I don't know, that was the one thing like we all at Special Olympics. Every, you know, he was just obsessed. He watched it. He loved people for their their flaws, you know. Or what there was perceived as flaws, I guess. He never saw them as flaws. He never watched the regular Olympics, ever. He didn't give a fuck about that. He like, he's like, yeah, sure, that person's like strong and beautiful. Like, they should be able to like jump that far. Like, who the fuck cares about them? Like, I mean, like seriously, like, it's like that guy's six eight and he can jump high. He should be good at basketball. <laughs> like, that's not surprising, right? And so, like, but like that person, you know what I mean? Like that person grew up with like nothing, or that person's blind. Like anything they do is kind of fucking awesome. And like, you should like sell it. Like, that's what we should be celebrating, right? Like people who could do the unexpected. It seemed like he always gave people the opportunity to like say who they wanted to see themselves as. Like, mm-hmm. even if the rest yeah. of the world never did. Like he loved immigrant story. Like he loved when you met like a guy who was like, you know, a Vietnamese refugee and now was like a surgeon. He was like, that's awesome. Like, you <laughs> know what I mean? Like, like. How the fuck did that happen? This guy didn't even speak English eight years ago. <laughs> like, that's awesome. But then he would be impressed at, like, if you, like, got up in the morning, you know? <laughs> like, so I just think, you know, at Penn, we're so, so impressed with people who can self-curate and have impressive CVs and, you know, they won this and won that. And, like, that's great. Like, that's that's awesome. I want my kids to do all those, you know, and... Uh, but like, I don't think we, I don't know. Like that should be a given. Like if you have all these opportunities, like, well then that's not, who cares? Like you're just doing your job. Your job is to be impressive because you were born impressive. And you, uh, we should be celebrating the people who like, they're doing the unexpected or, yeah. You know, why are we out like looking at our phones and reading like watching TV and reading new people? The world's full of people. Like if they have interest, like they seem, they seem much more interesting in the flesh and blood than it is on like a foreign screen. 
I think the point about him that he would approach conversations without ever the need to be impressive, finding the thing in them that they found to be the greatest thing is like one yeah. of the brilliant things I've ever heard. Yeah. Yeah. That they, you know, he just could not allow other people to be boring. <laughs> that like they could think they would have the worst day. They could think they were the most boring, worthless person, stressed out person. And he would remind them that like, no, there is some there was something magical, you know, because everybody at some point was that really interesting seven year old. Right. Or they had that one person that really, you know, fell in love with. Them. They had that one night, had that one time that like they got called on in class and they had the exact right answer or you know what I mean? Like and. They also had that one moment that they were really embarrassed, right? Like that they did something really funny and embarrassing. And you would want to hear that thing too, because if you talked about it, then you get over it, right? Like that he wanted to hear both of those stories. Like he wanted to hear the time you were the greatest, but also the time that you felt not the greatest because equally those two things made you interesting. Like it wasn't about being good or bad. You know, it wasn't about being impressive or not impressive. It was about being interesting. Like it made you a more complex human being. And I think, and this is one of the things my father, like really, you know, he's, that's why he struggled with people who were into power or on the one end, like they were super focused and super like had an agenda about something. He didn't, he, he had problems with people like that, but he also had problems with people who had severe addiction. He wasn't that he was upset at people. It wasn't that he, he thought he, he thought that was sad. And he had this like notion that if you were like addicted to something like addicted to power or addicted to your career or addicted to like uh, a person, like you're obsessively in love with some person, all of your focus, it made you in a sense, less open to listening to other people, less opening to being present with them. If they didn't fit your agenda, then they weren't worth talking to you. And like, you know what I mean? Like so ambitious or so addicted to this or so addicted to that, that like they can't, they can't see other people, right? It's tunnel vision. And he said, like, for example, like that is like a person living their life as a single note. Like it's just one note, right? That you are born with this like ability to be a symphony, you know, like you could do, you know, anything. You could just touch anyone you could play with anyone. You could, he loved my son's jazz because he loved jazz and like this idea. He didn't know anything about jazz. Didn't know a single thing about it. But like, but this idea that like you had a chance in life to be this symphony, like you had this chance to be improvisational, play off of others, to listen to others, to like contact all the time. Why would you make your life one note? Like, why would you do that? Like, and it just seems like such a waste of opportunity. And like that, human beings have this incredible capacity to be complex and why would you reduce your complexity to this and that we and then he, he thought it was strange that we valued that like we valued like obsessiveness it's like so what you're impressive in this one thing you know what i mean like like that's great but like you know aren't there other things like yeah work hard and perfect a craft do whatever you want but like that if he, that took you away from an opportunity of meeting someone, if that took you away from an opportunity of hearing someone's story, like if you were always in such a rush that you didn't take time to help somebody on the way, or you didn't take time to acknowledge the bus driver, 
or you didn't take time to acknowledge that person at the store just sold you something. It's like, oh, I got to do this. I'm going to do this. And so like, you know, like Penn students like make exhaustion a mode of expression, you know, to, you know, steal a punk rock line. Like, but it's true. Like this idea is, that, oh, I'm crazy. I'm always tired. And like, you know what I mean? And I, I did this all before I was 22. And I did this before I was 20. And I did, you know what I mean? Like, and, you know, we love these stories, like in graduation speeches, like, then they, you know, opened their first company by the time they're 27 and they sold a patent by the time they were 31. Like, you know, I was like, this, that's great. Like, that's great. But like, I want to hear like how they fucked up, like, like the time, you know what I mean? The time they took like two months off the time that they like chased a, lo a love across country. Like those are the more interesting times. Like those are the more like, you know, like, yeah, sure. You're impressive and you do things. Anybody can do shit like that. That's just, that's just showing up. I mean, and like filling out forms, you know, I don't know. He was cool. Like just the idea that the person's boring Tuesday was the most interesting thing to, him. you know, the time that they felt alone or the time they were struggling with something or the one time that they failed at something because that made them think for a moment and then made them reach out to others and made them look for help. So he, my father loved like psychology. Like he just thought like everyone should be in therapy because like get help. Like why do this on your own? Admit you have weaknesses or admit you, you didn't see it as a weakness. Admit that you're struggling with something and go out and find help. That's why we had humans. We're not supposed to be alone. We're not supposed to be self-sufficient. He just, we should be leaning on each other. As supplement to the speech, do you feel like you painted a fair picture of your dad? Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't know. There's always there's always going to be more sides of him, you know. But yeah, reading a Bach off and, yeah, and be nice to people. Like, those are the two things you should do in life, you know. What do you like about him as an author? I like that every single thing he wrote was like a different experiment. Basically, one book that was an entire, like a big footnote. Then he had, you know, another one that was like a conspiracy theory one. And then he had one that was like really erudite and like, you know, like kind of didactic in terms of science and was really complicated. But like you learn something from it. And I just like the fact that like he didn't like writing was like a thing he did. He always was testing himself. He was never satisfied. But writing was not like his obsession. Butterflies were like he was obsessed with butterflies. And he was really good at chess. Like he was like this chess like master. He wasn't one note, you know, he wasn't one note. And that's why I love people like Prince. Prince wasn't one note, like David Bowie. You gotta love people like that. They keep trying, they keep testing themselves, right? And they don't need to be the best at it because you meet whole different sets of people, right? Like if you're only doing this one job, you're meeting, you know, a certain type of people. You need to keep putting yourself in different situations. But yeah, but, but Nabokov was... Yeah, just everything was different. I like the fact that you can read so many different things and you get a different experience each time. You know, he wasn't one note. I think what I've gotten out of this conversation is the idea of being a symphony and the idea of trying new things. And the thing that makes us interesting is not what we're excellent at, but the stories that we've accumulated about the times that we've tried. I think you're right to say that we live in a culture that values having an obsession with one thing. But what is narrowing our aperture do? 
other than maybe dulling this vibrancy of the human experience. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's good, you know, be a good physician and that's going to be great and you'll help lots of people, but like, just remember there's also like parks and drawing and there's also like dogs and, you know, and, and wine. And, and, you know, if you don't do those things and you don't share them with others, then what's the point of all that work you did, you know, because, you know, we're working in order to connect with people. We're working in order to have a more vibrant human experience. We're not working to accomplish things because the end, you can be the best physician in the world and you will be forgotten. Right. You know, like be okay at being a physician, you know, like don't hurt people. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, you know, be pretty good at it. And like, but like also be like really good at like writing bad poetry and like, you know, like that's good. Miss a few appointments. You know what I mean? Like the gift you give to other people when you fuck up is the gift that they're better than you. Yeah. <laughs> okay? That is good. They get to feel good about themselves because you fucked up. I highly recommend being mediocre. <laughs> What a good lesson. Well, good. I mean, it's it's good that it comes from you of all people. Well, thank you for the time. It was so thank good you. to thank see you. you. It's good to see you too. Hope you're well. We'll catch up soon. <laughs>